Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawala amma ba'd Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah So today inshallah ta'ala we're continuing uh, our series on Surah Al-Nazi'at We had just finished the portion in which Allah ta'ala talks about how Musa alayhi salam was inviting and asking him so he's asking very in such a sweet and kind way. Musa is asking Fir'aun, do you want tezkiyah, purification of the heart? And also tezkiyah, uh, zek, zekah also means growth, anumu, yani growth. Like, do you want inner growth? That's one. Hidayah, do you want guidance so you know how to act, how to behave? Khashiyah, do you want, uh, uh, you know, uh, this reverence and awe towards your Lord? Can we not lean on the, on the yeah, jazakallah, thank you so much. Um, and so, a few points here that need to be kept in mind. Number one, that asking, when you ask a question, there, there's an implication here, which is what? That you're waiting to listen to the answer. And this is a very, very important point when we give da'wah. When we call people to Islam, we do want to ask questions. We want to ask them, what do you think about this? Have you read the Qur'an? What, what are your comments? What are your ideas? But the thing is, sometimes we ask questions without the sincere intent of listening to the answer. And that's a real big problem. You have to ask with the intent of actually listening, paying attention, and saying, okay, let me hear this person out, not just waiting for your turn to speak. That's point number one. And furthermore, the fact that Musa approached uh, 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 Fir'aun in a very kind and respectful manner says a lot because, and we talked about this at the end uh, in the Q&A session, but I just wanted to reiterate it because I think it's important, that you don't want to insult a leader because even if the person deserves insults, even if, it, even if Musa Islam is completely justified to go up and say, you are a this and a that, and you know, all sorts of insults in his direction, the reason that that's negative is because the audience who deeply respects Fir'aun, even if do, they do so incorrectly, even if their respect is unfounded, the fact is that you're coming in insulting and they're going to dismiss you right away. They're not even going to listen to what you have to say. They're just going to assume you are rude and they're going to throw your whole, uh, you know, they're going to stop listening before you even started really. So these are some important points about how to approach in a kind way and in a way where you're asking ready to actually listen. So the next ayah says what? Allah Ta'ala says, Ba'da And he showed him the greatest sign. What is this greatest sign? He showed him this greatest sign. One opinion is that it's the combination of the staff turning into a snake as well as the hand turning white and glowing bright. This combination is called the greatest sign. Another opinion is that it's just referring to the staff turning into the snake specifically because this was the miracle that caused Fir'aun to gather his magicians and then challenge Musa which in turn caused him to show them the miracle and then all the magicians embraced Islam. So the fact that they all converted as opposed to the other miracles which the people were just more obstinate and became more, you know, you'd say, well, the greatest miracle seems like the, the parting of the sea, right? Yeah, but did, they, did that make them embrace Islam? No, they ran, they ran into the water and they got crushed and killed. So, I mean, obviously it's greater in terms of size, you know, uh, but in the sense that perhaps it's the case, Allah, and Allah knows best, perhaps uh, the, the greatness of the miracle is being referenced what? It's referring to the fact that he showed them this staff and they, the magicians actually made sajda, bowed down, embraced the them, and they're actually killed for it. We learn about this in other surahs. We're not going to talk about that today. So yes, uh, and, so, and subhanAllah, yes, since a major theme of this surah is the evidence of resurrection, it seems reasonable that the miracle referenced here is turning a lifeless staff into a living snake. It's a very, very important point. The beginning of the surah is talking about what? 
uh, you know, this taking of the souls, Nazi'ati Harqa, you know, resurrection, Tarjufur Rajifa, Tatabawa Rajifa, this idea of judgment day. And then at the end of the surah is what? Fima Anta Min Dikraha, Ila Rampika Muntaha. You know, where are you in terms of the remembrance of this judgment day? You know, what do you. So the whole surah from beginning to end is talking about what? Resurrection, judgment day. So it makes sense that the greatest sign is what? Well, I take something lifeless and I turn it into something living. I have the power, Allah Ta'ala has the power to bring uh, life to the dead. So it's a very, very important point. Now, the staff and the hand, when you combine these two together, there's a bit of significance for both of them, uh, uh, from, from two perspectives. The staff and the hand, from the perspective of Fir'aun, it is a lesson, what? That the staff transformed from dead wood to a living snake, as we mentioned, which is a reminder that Allah can bring the dead back to life, which is a major theme of this surah. But this leaves a question. If Allah can take something dead and upgrade it to something living, what does he do with something that's already alive? Musa he upgrades it to what? Something you could say is almost angelic. That's why he didn't just stay a, a living, because it's like, okay, the staff is dead and it turns to a snake. You, you're already a living, and you turn into something glowing, almost angelic. So then, what is the lesson behind this? And Allah knows best, this is just, you know, uh, you know, tadabbur, tadabbura, ta'amulat, right, reflections. But it could be the case that it's a reminder that not only will, they, will there be a resurrection, as in the dead will come to life, but I mean, look, it, I'm alive now. If I die, then I come back, I'm just me again. You're just you again, we're all just the same. No, Allah Ta'ala is saying there's gonna be resurrection and there's also gonna be what? Paradise. That's the difference. So when it comes to the dead coming back to life, staff to the snake. When it comes to the idea of now that you're alive, you're gonna to go to an even higher state, almost like an angelic state. You're gonna be entered into paradise where you're radiating, glowing, everything will be perfect. That is being indicated with the hand. So you see that it's not just resurrection or judgment day, it's also the promise of paradise after judgment day. I hope that point is clear. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam, it seems that this is a reminder of both two in one and Allah knows best. Another perspective, which I think is very powerful, is okay, that's the lesson to Musa, uh, to, uh, that lesson is directed towards Fir'aun. What about the lesson to Musa salam, himself? Let's go take a look at Surah Taha, ayat 18 to 23. What does Allah Ta'ala say about this? When, when, when uh, uh, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala asks him, what's in your right hand? What are you holding on to? He said, it is my staff, I lean upon it. I think that's very significant. The fact that he's saying, this is what I lean on. This idea of leaning on something, depending upon something, you're supposed to depend upon Allah, right? So there seems to be a correlation here, and Allah knows best. I lean upon it, I bring down leaves for my sheep, and I have there in other uses, right? So he's using the material means. What does the staff represent? It seems to be depending upon this dunya for success, which is perfectly fair. You're born to this world, you say, well, I use this to get me this, I use that to get me that, etc, etc. What does Allah say? قَالَ أَلْقِهَا يَا مُوسَى Throw it, get rid of it. What does this represent? Allah commands him to throw it, teaching him to no longer depend on the material means, rather focus on depending upon Allah and working for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Don't think about, oh, I use dunya for the sake of dunya. I use this staff to get, you know, leaves, or I use my staff to lean on this, or this, except, no, no. You need to throw this away and stop depending on the dunya means. You have to understand the reality behind this, uh, uh, this world. So he throws it. So, and then it becomes a snake that is moving swiftly. The staff's transformation into a snake represents the hidden reality about this dunya. Being entirely materialistic may seem reasonable and harmless at first, but soon you'll realize it's deadly. Chasing after dunya, what happens? People get old, people eventually, they run after it, and then one day, all of a sudden, boom, death shows up. People spend their whole life chasing dunya and it eventually kills them. Like a subtle snake in the grass, death will come 
unexpectedly. It's not, why, why, this, why a snake? Allah could have transformed it into a big elephant or a lion or something big. Something subtle, something that you don't pay attention to. It's very well hidden, very well camouflaged. And then guess what? All of a sudden, you chase dunya, you chase dunya, and then guess what? That's it, your life is over. So, but this seems to be, you could say, some of the symbolism behind it. And it'll end sooner than you realize. What do they say? Yawman al yom. We day or part of a day. Or in this surah, Ashiyatin al duhaha. The end of the surah says what? We spent only just an evening or a day, uh, an evening or a morning. The, the last ayah of this surah specifically emphasizes what? It's going to go quickly. This dunya is going to go quick. So this snake representing the dunya is what? Tasa. It's going to be quick, guys. So be very cautious of this very quick moving snake. Then Allah says, seize it and do not fear. This is very important. After you've gotten rid of it, why not? Get rid of it, that's it. Go live in the mountains, throw away the dunya. I'm no longer gonna focus on worldly things. I'm gonna live like a, you know, monasticism, just worshiping my Lord in a cave. I'll never interact with humans again. Throw this dunya away, I put it behind me. No, Allah says what? Take it and do not fear. That we will return it to its former condition. Musa السلام, is being commanded to go back and grab this dangerous state, snake, meaning what? Now that you understand the nature of this world, don't shun it. Instead, gain control of this dunya. Turn it into the tool, a tool, but this time, not a tool that works for itself. You don't chase dunya for the sake of dunya. You don't make more money for the sake of having more money. Rather, a tool that you'll use for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Go back, grab this dunya, grab this dangerous snake, but now you have the right idea behind it. And draw out your hand from your side and it will come out without disease, another uh, uh, white, without disease, another sign. This shining hand. So what's the symbolism here? Musa is being commanded what? Gain control. Gain control. He must lead not the way Fir'aun has gained control. Not the way Fir'aun uses an iron fist. Right? He used the iron fist of tyranny for the sake of itself, for the sake of dunya, rather with a pure hand, a pure hand that commands the justice that will serve as a light that will shine forth so that all other nations can see the beauty of applying the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that we may show you some of our greater signs, subhanAllah, that Allah ta'ala is saying what? That we want to show you uh, that not only did Allah ta'ala show the great miracle to Musa alayhi salam, through Musa alayhi salam, but in addition to that, if we learn the lesson of Musa alayhi salam, if we learn not to chase dunya for the sake of itself, for the sake of dunya, but rather for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then inshallah ta'ala we'll see a great miraculous progress in our lives as well, bi'ibnillahi ta'ala. What does Allah say next? فَكَذَّبَ وَعَصَى And then Fir'aun, what did he do? He denied and he disobeyed. You might say to yourself, well if you deny, uh, then disobedience is obviously expected. No, the idea of mentioning both is that one is internal, one is external. Denial is internal in what you say. Asa, disobedience, is what you do. This is why the believers have what? Those who believe and do righteous deeds. That combination is always mentioned. So what are they doing? I deny in terms of, in terms of word and in terms of my belief. And I disobey in terms of my actions. What does he deny? Allah Ta'ala doesn't, says, doesn't say, he denied something. Allah leaves it open-ended, which means that we need to think about it. He, he denied Allah. He denied miracles. He denied Musa's prophethood, He denied Musa's guidance, even though he offered it to him. He denied his own conscience, because he knew right from wrong. He denied the rights of Bani Israel. He denied his own people, their rights, because they should have been guided as well. SubhanAllah, seven different things just from this surah, we can pay attention to see he denied a lot of things. Wa'asa, and he disobeyed. 
Meaning what? That he disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he did not apply the guidance. Now, Allah ta'ala knew that Fir'aun would reject before he even commanded Musa to go. He knew. Allah ta'ala knows that obviously he's uh, going to disobey him. So then the question is why? Why send me to a man who you know is going to reject me? And the answer is you give da'wah not because people will change, but because it's an act of worship to Allah. This is why we give da'wah. This is why we call people to Islam. Not because I'm expecting a certain number of converts, and if I don't get those converts, then I'm going to reject da'wah altogether. No. Whether people listen or not is not your primary concern. You can only concern, uh, control yourself, and uh, you need to, uh, 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 need to do right by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that's it. As the expression goes, it's a very nice quote that says what? Kun ma'allahi wala tubali, which means what? Be with Allah and don't care. As in, you do what your part, you do your part, and then as for everybody else, no big deal. Of course, it's very human to ask, Ya Allah, why send me for a job if you know that it won't work? And the answer is, Musa's job was to offer not to convert, just to offer, not convert. And that's what made him one of the greatest messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of all time. Think about that. You give da'wah and it's not even a success and yet you're still one of the greatest messengers of all time. SubhanAllah, that's very, very important. It's not about the success, it's about the effort. Yes, denial of the obvious truth is very bad. Kathaba is bad enough. But he could have at least, Fir'aun could have said, you know what, I don't believe in you as a prophet. You're some crazy weird magician, but you know what? Go take Bani Israel and get out of here. I don't want to deal with you people. You're too dangerous and you're too strange. He could have said that, right? But subhanAllah, he also disobeyed, which means what? He was so careless. He was so, he had no caution whatsoever that he was going to even, what? Not only deny personally and, you know, in terms of his beliefs and speech, but also not even going to comply with the demands, despite the fact that he's seeing plain miracles right in front of him, which just goes to show that he was driven by pure rage and arrogance. Another way of looking at this is kedhaba, he denied who? Musa, wa asa, disobeyed who? Allah Ta'ala. That's one way of pairing the two. And the omission of these two words could suggest that they're so obvious, highlighting how obvious it is when Allah says what? La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, that, you know, there's Allah and his messenger. Same thing with La ilaha illallah, Musa Rasulullah, that there's no God but Allah and Musa is the messenger of God, right? That these two come together. So if you deny this, that's kathaba of the La ilaha illallah and asa, disobedience, oh, excuse me, other way around, the, the denial of the prophet and then the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, let's move on. Then Allah says what? Thumma adabara yasa'a. Inshallah, I think, oh, you know, just two more ayat, inshallah. Thumma adabara yasa'a. Then he turned his back and moved quickly. This paints the image of Fir'aun pacing back and forth, thinking of a way to defeat Musa Adabar, he turns away, gets away from Yasa. He's moving, he's moving. I'm thinking, how do I beat this guy? How do I beat this guy? Allah doesn't use the word Dabbara. Allah uses Adabara. And there's a difference. Because Dabbara would have implied that he was thinking about it carefully. And had he thought about it carefully, he would have accepted the truth. But instead, Adabara is used to show that he's coming up with whatever plan comes to mind first. Just some, give me something. Even if Fir'aun opposed the truth when it was presented to him, you'd hope that he'd, he'd at least go home and think about it a little bit more sincerely and perhaps reconsider. Unfortunately, when he took his time to contemplate his circumstances, he only considered how to lie even more. This demonstrates the inevitability of people also working hard for something. Uh, you know, when you, if you are working on the path of truth and then you decide to turn away from it, you're not going to do nothing. You're going to go towards the path of evil. 
right? This is the nature of human beings, that we don't just say, oh, if I'm not gonna be good, I'll just be neutral. There's no neutral. Either you're working to become better or you're gonna be working to, to, to becoming worse. That's why he turned away, now he's moving fast in the opposite direction. And this is human nature, that if you're not working towards good, you're moving towards evil. This idea of being neutral and just stagnant, it's not true, we're never stagnant. And of course, this could be a reference to Fir'aun turning and running from the large serpent. You know, there are some narrations that talk about what? That the staff wasn't, didn't stay, stay the size of a staff. It's not like he had a stick, let's say, the size of a man. He threw it and then it stayed a snake the size of a man. No. The, some narrations talk about what? It became huge. It became like this almost like monster-like snake, gigantic, and people ran away from it. So this could be a reference to that. He ran away terrified, which is why after you, after everybody panics and you run away uh, screaming and you're clearly terrified, you have to come back. You have to bring everybody back and say, no, no, I'm in charge, I'm in charge, to try to compensate for the fact that you just demonstrated how terrified and afraid you are. And this is to contrast, this is contrasting Musa when he saw the, the, the staff turning into a snake, Allah says, grab it and don't be afraid. And Musa did so. He didn't just run away. SubhanAllah. Inshallah ta'ala, I think we should continue with this ayah uh, next week. I don't want to make it too long. I want to keep it brief so that we can, you know, keep everybody uh, feeling fresh, inshallah ta'ala. So we'll stop here uh, for ayah number 23 for next week, inshallah. And I hope you guys have some comments and some questions, inshallah ta'ala, so we can keep it lively. Barakallahu feekum, khairan. May Allah ta'ala make us of those who always pay attention to this Qur'an, learn from this Qur'an, and appreciate and contemplate and try to take as many lessons as we can and share it with others. Ameen, ya rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.